All right, folks, welcome to the Extravaganza Gigantic uh, Mountain West Football Preview. Sure, we'll go with that name. MWCWire.com, Jeremy Moss and Matt Kennerly, and we have stupid upset picks to make tonight. If I'm if, Actually, if I can correct you right off the bat, isn't it just MWWire.com? It's both. Remember our hero? Oh, yeah, that's true. Crap, and I still haven't found the Twitter handle. Thank you. Thank you, though. You can find us, MWWire.com, MWCWire.com. CollegeFootballNews.com, we're there as well. So if you type it in, you should find our, our stuff. But um, we have both names. So you should search Mountain West Football. You'll probably find us as well, right? I think we're getting to that point, yeah. That's the plan. We want to get 1,000 followers on uh, Twitter. What are we at right now? 725 right now, I think? Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to 1,000. Let's also try to get to like 100 Facebook followers too because right <laughs> we're at 81. Yeah, that um, needs some work. Maybe if I, maybe I should, maybe we should do some videos over there. Would that help out, perhaps? Maybe you can let us know. Yeah, if you want videos, let us know. I may make a uh, some sort of um, fake live video where you kind of like I did for basketball for the uh, conference title game last year. Just something like that where you can um, go in and do the heart emoji or whatever and like it. Now that usually helps pretty good, but let us know. We may do video stuff. We may not, but today. We are, as we record right now, there would be three mountainous football games in the books. Right now, this week, we'd be doing a recap show. Nice. But we're this close. We are this close. So here's the plan for tonight. We're going to kind of go over some spring, or not spring, sorry, fall football stuff. So kind of some news and notes a little bit. But then I sent out a big list of about, was it 10 questions or so, or 10 thoughts? What, what we're going to go through most of our staff field those out we'll go over our picks probably more in depth than others because we're, we're here talking about it as you know us stupid upset picks um crazy picks uh coach of the year newcomers um that type of stuff so how about we start really quick because you were there the other day fresno state had a scrimmage kind of had a scrimmage let us kind of know what happened about that it was advertised to a bin which caused a lot of annoyance on the behalf of you know, the fans who showed up there. It's never good. So what exactly happened then? Well, I mean, what happened was basically it was advertised to go until 10 p.m. And they basically kicked everybody out but the families of the players at 8.30. So it's not like 20 minutes early, we're done. This yeah. is an hour and a half. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I guess for... I mean, I can see where other people would be upset about it because it was advertised as being one thing and then it ended up being not that thing. Personally, I kind of took it all in stride. I went home and I watched more Parks and Recreation, so I'm not too concerned about it myself. That That's a good choice. Is that your first time watching Parks and Rec? No, I've watched it more times than I can count. Good, good man. It's an excellent show. But it, So what did you see then last night overall? You mentioned uh, you wrote a piece on it about the uh, – there's, there should be no threat of, a, of Chase and Virgil losing the quarterback position, and there's about a bazillion running backs carrying the ball. Well, when I wrote that, um, I was focusing mostly on Marcus McMary and the new you know, quarterback transfer from Oregon State. You know, to me, based off of the, the admittedly small sample size and you know the fact that it's a scrimmage, you know, probably not going to see too many. You know, they're not going to open up the playbook too much or anything like that in that kind of setting. But to me, they seemed to be rather conservative when he was under center in live play. For one, he was with the, you know, the threes, first of all. Um, and he was going against the third string defense. But 
You know, for the most part, it seemed like they were focused more on the running game when he was under center. He did have a couple of pass attempts, you know, one of which was, you know, he kind of caught a bad break on a, an interception that was more the result of the receiver absorbing a big hit and a defender get, picking the ball out of the air. And he almost had another pick on a pass that was, you know, a short pass that was low and the, the DB basically didn't come up with it, ended up doing push-ups because he didn't come up with it. Oh, snap. But, you know, there was a lot of optimism that he could come in and maybe challenge for the starting job by the end of September, basically after non-conference play. And for me, I would just kind of reiterate what I've said pretty much all along, is that I think if he's going to start, it's probably not going to be until later in the year. Because you have two guys that have been in there since spring ball, you know, Chase and Virgil, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, still has the inside track for the job. And Jorge Reyna, who, you know, was a junior college transfer, was around for the spring, probably had the best night of all three of them. In seven-on-seven drills, he had a nice long connection to another incoming transfer receiver, Darian Grimm. You know, he was able to take some shots down the field in, you know, full-on live scrimmaging. He played pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to know, we're not going to know for sure if he's nailed down the starting job. My guess is you'll probably see both Reyna and Virgil under center in the opener against their incarnate word. You're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer for McMary. Yeah, I was looking at their schedule. Like, incarnate world, maybe he'll get a few reps in there as well, like fourth quarter perhaps, here a couple. But you, then you go to Alabama, to Washington. It's not time to throw a guy in who hasn't, who's been around for not even a month. Mm-hmm. And then they have a bye week, but what's the bye week going to bring you? Because... You played two two teams in the playoffs last year. Exactly. If he's gonna play, I think you're right. Like if their bye week is later, I could I could I get the point. It's like in the NFL. Oh, there's a bye week. We're gonna change quarterbacks. Give them an extra week to prepare. But I it wouldn't shock. Okay, I, I I might be leaning more towards the possibility of September 30th, but probably probably not. Like if he's gonna start them, it's gonna be because Chase and Virgil plays poorly or the JUCO guy plays poorly as well. And McMarron has to like learn learn the players' names. Does he know all his teammates' names? That's a big deal to kind of know who you're throwing the ball to and playing with. And new school. It's not just football. New school, new city. It's a lot. It's a new environment overall. It's not just he's going to play football. He's a lot of other things to do as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else particularly stand out at yesterday or Saturday? Well, more so than the quarterback controversy going on. I'm. You know, the bigger question that nobody has really addressed yet is who's going to be running the ball? Because you saw, I saw, you know, a lot of different kinds of formations, a lot of different guys getting time with the ones and the twos. You know, Ronnie Rivers, I believe, was the the first guy out there with the ones when they went to 11 on 11 play. And he's a true freshman. You know, he's a legacy three-star recruit that they just brought in this year. You know, he saw some time. He had a couple of nice runs. You know, Savion Johnson probably had the run of the scrimmage on a what looked like a, a busted play to the outside, but he was able to cut it back inside and you know run for 15 yards or something like that. You know, Deontay O'Neal looked like he was back to 100%. He didn't look like he had lost anything from the knee injury he suffered last year. Josh Hokett, you know, still a, you know probably going to be the tough inside runner among this group. But, though, you know, I've just listed four guys, and it's not immediately clear mm. if any one of those guys has positioned himself to be kind of the lead back, if that makes sense. Um, you know, my guess is you're going to see three or four guys, you know, 
probably some with like 150, 100 so 100 or so carries. There's probably not a 200 carry runner in this group. But even then, I I have no idea right now who those guys are going to be. And I think that the offense is still trying to figure that out as well. So James isn't a clear-cut starter then, in your opinion? I wouldn't think so, no. I mean, if I had to choose right now, my guess would be Hokit would be the number one guy, very tenuously. But they seem to be giving a long look to someone like Rivers, so I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't end up redshirting this year. Okay. All right, so let's let's, let's go bounce around a few other teams. Air Force had a scrimmage yesterday as well. Or, well, I couldn't say yesterday, but Saturday. And apparently it's kind of what you expect, the final scrimmage, backups play, not a ton of starters are in there. One thing that did stand out from the scrimmage was doing some research that we know the Air Force is looking for it to replace, or not replace, but Jalen Robin at the receiver's gone to find some other guy who could be some sort of deep threat. And they might be actually using a tight end a lot more than we mm-hmm. thought. And there's a new guy, because um, there were some struggles, they weren't too happy, but Cade Wagasback, not going to be starting tight end because you have um, Ryan Ref- Ryan Refitz, I want to say. But... It is, it's a small thing for Air Force because it doesn't matter who's going to run the ball, but this is just something that stood out, that they may have multiple threats to pass the ball on bigger targets, despite well, when you think tight end, you think like a guy's like maybe 250, perhaps. Air Force is a bit different. This tight end, 6'3", only 210. But he's a tall target. It's just something to look out for for Aaron Worthman, who's been playing pretty good in camp. And one thing I wanted to note as well, besides that extra passing threat, perhaps, Troy Calhoun, he's an Air Force grad. And he he pull he pulls out all the stops at the scrimmage, he to get people to the games this year because looking at their schedule they don't have, there's only two games that we don't know the times for when they play Wyoming and Utah State late near at home, every other game is an afternoon game, I guess the UNLV game oh that's a noon game but like every game's like noon versus UNLV, they play a five thirty versus San Diego State late afternoon game, uh they play they play a Army or whatever not Army but um. They play afternoon games. Sorry, that's my point. He pulls out the patriotism card. Like, if you're at all a patriotism for the United States, if you admire what these guys do, serve the country honor- honorably, it's a great thing to come to watch these kids play. Which it is. He should have just, just said, if you don't want to be up until midnight watching a college football game, come see us play instead. Exactly. You can watch San Diego State be home by 9 o'clock. Exactly. But... It, a little interesting. Like, well, it's it's fair point because I've been like if you've never been if you have the chance to go to that stadium, I've been there once. The campus is like off by itself, part of because it's the Air Force Academy. There's probably some secrets and stuff there a little bit here and there. Got some expensive toys with the fighter jets and everything. Be to be where the stadium is, it's one of the more unique places to watch a football game. Like, I'm not here at Utah. I've been to games at BYU, University of Utah, Utah State. Great at- atmosphere, the backdrop of the mountains. Not quite the same in Air Force, but it's a little bit similar where you have that backdrop. You're tucked into the middle of nowhere. It seems like they got those giant spikes on campus. If you can attend a game, follow Calhoun's advice and go watch a game. It's football, right? Yeah. So there's that. A um, couple other things I want to get to. Utah State. So I was looking up on Utah State a little bit. Apparently, did you know? I'm going to ask you this question. Did you like their offensive line last year at all for Utah State? Was it good? I thought it was okay. It wasn't really anything to write home about, but. So I was looking looking up a few things like uh, sacks allowed and everything. They were ninth in sacks allowed in the conference. They weren't San Jose State bad. They had 28. 
Did you know three of their linemen are an all-conference member last year that they're missing? Was it like second team and honorable mention guys? Something like that, but all-conference consideration. Mm -hmm. And they lose over 100 stars at that position. Yeah, I was aware of that. I didn't realize there was some all-conference consideration, but then they're bragging about their wide receivers, um, Martavian Quarver and other guys. They go like, because they're going to be with David Yost, four wide, five wide, run 100 plays like he's done other places in Missouri and other college programs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have the wide receiver depth, but they're touting it out as they have this great receiving crew coming back. And outside of Tarver, I'm not not extremely confident that's the case. Well... I don't want to necessarily, you know, say that it's not possible. It's just because they have a lot of guys who are, you know, are relatively unproven. But, you know, they've got guys with a lot of promise, like Gerald Bright, who I believe in their last scrimmage had, you know, two catches for about 40 yards. So that's a potential big play guy right there. So, I mean, I'm not overly worried about it because, you know, like I said, they may not have a thousand yard receiver, but do they maybe have three or four guys who can catch 600, 700 yards? That'd be helpful. Probably. Yeah. It just seems like it's just kind of looking at what they had. It's like, oh, we have all this depth. I'm like, well, they need seven or eight guys minimum, but it's just losing uh, Rayshad Lewis for me is still a pretty big deal. But yeah, like look at Utah State, like we'll get to some of the predictions, but their offensive line is a key concern for me, but imagine what they could have done last year with Devontae Mays. He, he might be the number two running back in Green Bay right now. I know Ty Montgomery's hurt, so he's getting the number two reps, probably going to make the roster behind Jamal Williams, but how it's he's better than we thought, but this running game, if they had him last year, they would have won probably won half those games that they missed out on by a couple points. Gone to a bowl game, we wouldn't be too concerned, but how much is Lindsey... Tony Lindsay and Lawan Hunt going to do because they were terrible last year, replacing half their offensive line that was pretty good for the most part. I'm just concerned what the offense could do because unless they're going to sling it 60 times a game, ah, oh man. See, I think that if, if you're an Aggies fan, what you're hoping for that'll change between you know yesterday's scrimmage because they also had a scrimmage on on Saturday. What I'm hope, what I think you're probably looking for is a little more explosiveness because you know Kent Myers was 10 of 14, which is pretty good, but he only had 87 yards, which is not necessarily great. And they had four different quarterbacks play within that scrimmage, and they were just barely over 50 percent, and they only combined for 139 yards. So while you know if you're optimistic about the defense like I am, um, which I know that we talked about a lot during their team preview. I think you're probably hoping the offense comes around. They find one more guy besides Tarver who can, you know, be a deep play threat, who can, you know, get you 15, 17 yards at a time. That's, I think, what you're looking for between now and the season opener. I think so as well. I was looking really quick, not to make this too much Utah State, but their defense, like, we kind of poo-pooed them a bit last year and threw it a little bit, but they're actually better than we thought. Their main concern, like you said, explosiveness they were near the bottom in like points per game. And that's where they need to, that's where your explosiveness thing could come through. If that happens with Yost running the ball or passing the ball, running the offense, because 23 points a game is not going to get it done. They got to get to at least 30 points per game. And if their running games any better than last year, which is hard to be worse, I would say maybe they're going to be better than what people thought. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go to another team here. We're going to kind of quick hit some of these teams here. Most of them, perhaps um, San Diego state, one word, chickenpox. 
Anything else to add? <laughs> kind of a strange thing, right? But it, it was like, odd. Yeah, it seems like it's getting all sorted out down there. Yeah, they had I guess five total cases. One not so serious. One starting offensive lineman. He was back. Um, but it could be like a couple weeks, and with them having UC Davis opener, not a big deal. It's just when they play Arizona State, and most of the players who were succumbed to the illness are aren't starters or. Well, one guy was a was a linebacker who's like two. He's had two torn ACLs and he gets a chicken pox. Yikes. It's like man, guy can't can't catch a break, man. But that shouldn't be too concerned with the extra week and everything. And and that's just the only thing I've seen. I I check Aztec news. I see who's down there. It's just chicken pox update. Day one, day two, day three. They're clearing down the locker room, spraying it down with the Febreze and whatever whatever else the fire hose, but. Nothing to see there, I guess. Um, the next team I want to mention here. Oh, I had something in mind. I just spaced it. What it was? It shoot. Um, I guess Nevada, real quick. David Cornwell's the st- Cornwell's the starter for sure. I guess. All right then. That's about it. Defense looks good, apparently, according to him. Are you? How surprised are you that Cornwell came in and got the starting job over Ty Ganji? I mean, I guess I'm not that surprised you know because you know, he is a big you know statuesque pocket passer which probably fits that new air raid offense a little bit better but uh, you know i imagine that you know if things go sideways for the wolf pack you know Yanji, I, I think he'll be fine i think that he'll provide a spark to the offense if he gets that opportunity so at worst you have a pretty good backup behind cornwell they have one of the better quarterback situations, I think, in the conference. When you look at the backups, Boise State has a pretty good one. Um, yeah, Colorado State, obviously, Colin Hill. We'll go to the Rams really quick. Their big thing is the stadium coming up next week when they are one of the week zero games playing Oregon State. I guess the biggest news for me is that Colin Hill, quarterback, and running back Marvin Kinsey are cleared to play, and they're not going to red shirts. That also makes sense to me. Because I was more surprised. Well, Kinsey surprised me more because it was so late in the year. I think it was like late November, early December. And so I'm surprised he's that healthy. I mean, I think that, you know, if he can get back to, you know, where he was, you know, especially if the running game can be as explosive as it was in the second half of last year without him, you know, that's just kind of icing on the cake for a backfield that already has Izzy Matthews and Dalen Dawkins. Um. And, you know, I'm not surprised by the fact that Hill isn't redshirting either because, you know, as as rough as it was when they were transitioning from quarterback to quarterback early in the year last year, you know, if you look at the numbers, Hill mostly held his own and did a little better than I thought he would coming, you know, right off the bat as a true freshman. So that if Nick Stevens either gets off to a slow start or gets hurt, you know, I think that that would put a serious dent in their New Year's Day bowl hopes, but I don't think that it would seriously damage their hopes of being, you know, a conference title contender. I think Colin Hill's, you know, got the experience, he's got the pedigree, and he would be, you know, kind of like Ganji. I think he's probably a little better than Ganji if he's a backup. I think he'll be better than Nick Stevens overall, perhaps, but it's having him back there knowing he's ready to play. I just, we'll just see how much of a leash they give him. He's going to give him the hook early on to Stevens like last year but I think they're fine and I get just with me and Kinsey like they don't need him to play so it, it kind of makes sense if he comes in like let's think of it this way if he does exactly what he did last year he came in 
a decent amount of workload in October and beyond, mm-hmm. which was also the point when the Rams started getting really good. So I don't expect him to get many carries, maybe the same thing as last year where he comes in midway. Because you figure 10 months from ACL, nine months should be fine. That puts him right about midseason. So I don't expect him to maybe even play for a couple games, not that they, that they need him, but just make sure he's ready to go. But he'll get. I think he'll be a second enough player to watch. And I think he... I think he could be like possibly the best uh, running back on this roster as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, let's go to Mexico really quick. Okay. They are, are we going to be calling them the throw the throwing lobos now? The throwbos. Ah, there you go. That's what we're looking for. The throwbos. We need to send that out there now. Um, they want to throw the ball. Well, I don't see why not. They've got some guys who, in very very small samples, had you know, proved to be pretty explosive receivers last year. Well, then also they get back, um, who had the car accident or injury in the car wreck. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, I love autoplay videos. Hart, it, it, Hart is back for the Lobos. He missed all of last year with injury and he's actually looking pretty good. I'll just close that out for a uh, practice so far. They put up a bunch of highlights from the uh, New Mexico Twitter account or whoever is doing that, but he, Art could be back there being one of the better players. He missed all of last year. He, What did he catch the year before, um, Dalen Hart? Um, he only had about a 55% catch rate, if I recall. But, like you said, they have other guys coming in. And they're actually, every highlight you see, they're throwing the ball in camp. So, hmm. I've always said, if they, if they could be Air Force-type throwing ability, they would probably just almost dominate the mountain division with their offense to answer your question by the way delane hart johnson in 2015 only had 11 catches oh, i had more than that but he averaged 29.7 yards per catch oh that's right he had like 320 yards right something like that it was, it's ridiculous yeah deep threats i would have to say call him a deep threat yeah exactly and i mean you know it, the obvious comparison is you know to a team like Air Force. And if you look at what they've done throwing the ball in the last few years, you know, in 2015, for instance, Air Force averaged almost 11 yards per attempt, which was by far the best in the conference. And New Mexico was tied for third with you know, 7.7 yards per attempt. You know, last year you saw a similar kind of disparity where New Mexico was around 7.8, Air Force was up to 11.7. Uh, and you, you kind of see that disparity you know, even going back further than that in, you know, they run these, you know, run heavy offenses, but Air Force in the last few years has proven to be a bit more explosive throwing the football. So if New Mexico can find a way to match that, like if they can crack eight yards per attempt, eight and a half yards per attempt, all of a sudden that makes this offense a lot more dangerous. It does. And also what helps them is that you don't have the throwing quarterback Austin Apodaca coming in on third and ten. I've said a bunch of times, it's if you bring in a guy to throw, defenses can pick and choose. They could say, "All right, we're gonna play single coverage and bring the house, or we'll drop nine guys and make you beat beat them." Mm-hmm. You still know if it's third and ten, Lamar Jordan's back there. You know it's likely a throw, but you can't just leave him off by himself because he has enough leg ability run, running around to extend the play longer, and if he needs to, take off and run for a first down. And so that's going to be a big thing as well. And that's what I want to see with Lobo is like, just throw a little bit better. Like get to 55% of your passes, throw six of 11 every game. I don't, something like that. Seven of 12 for like 120 yards passing. I don't, that might be a little high, but hundred yards passing. I think that's doable with what they have. And if they can do that, you got 
Tyron Owens back there, Richard McCorley running the ball. It could be an offense that maybe if that happens, it's not my stupid upset pick, but they could win the division if their offense has a passing game. They would be like probably the biggest nightmare matchup in the entire conference if they could throw the football like that. Exactly. It's like, think of maybe Hart being like a Jalen Robinette going down for 20 plus yards every time. There you go. Uh, anything else? Let's see. UNLV, Armani Rogers is playing quite well. So they say uh, no wide receiver injuries for the Rebels, which is a big deal. Kendall Keys, I guess Devontae Boyd had a little hiccup for a knee thing, but he's fine now. And looking at the Rebels' offense, man, I whew, they they might be something special this year. But everything seems to be going smooth for them. No injuries really. The like I said, the one for Boyd a tiny bit, but overall. They have a good running back, a good offensive line. I just want to see what Armani Rodgers does. That's all that's left in actual football. All right. What about Boise? What about Boise State? Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah. Um. So Alexander Madison, how does running back number two sound for you? Very intriguing, isn't it? It is. Ryan Wolpin's considered the starter by the offensive coordinator. And I don't think that that's necessarily a huge shock. Like, Wolpen hasn't had that much game action in the last couple of years. But, you know, when he had a chance against a, you know, admittedly pretty depleted Northern Illinois team back in the Poinsettia Bowl in 2015, he made his opportunity count. He had 14 carries for 87 yards. And while I don't think anybody's expecting him to average over six yards a carry again, you know, he's kind of a small guy, but he's a tough guy. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was featured on Sports Illustrated's list of physical college football freaks last month. Oh, from Bruce Feldman, yeah. right? Number 48 or something like that? So, yeah, it was, he was, I think he was actually the first player on that list. But, you know, I would be interested to see what he could do. Well, here's the thing with Wolpen, though. He's had, like, last year, only 13 attempts running the ball. Mm-hmm. 2015, he had the one game, but they had 25 attempts. So they want, I think they want Madison to be the guy because he's higher recruited player. He trying to back and see his numbers here, but he, they seem to be, he seems to be the guy where they want him to take over for McNichols. Cause he had not that many more attempts, 67 attempts, but he had four touchdowns as well. So you'd think, all right, he's been doing this. He, Scoring touchdowns. He's in every game. He got a couple, what, a couple of carries nearly every game. He had 100 yards versus San Jose State, whatever, but the only game he didn't have a carry was the Air Force game and the Utah State game. That's it. I was just, my assumption was he be that he was the backup last year. He should move up to the starter, but I guess you could look at it as a positive as well for Boise because, oh, we got Wolpen who's playing extremely well. Maybe this is his year after having two years in the system, and Madison will be kind of a. Two, two, not two starting running backs, but you have a good combo back there to have more than one guy. Yeah. Instead of relying on McNichols last year, who had one of the most, probably the most touches in all of FBS. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that, I, I would definitely give Boise State the benefit of the doubt because they've had a productive running game for so long that if they wanted to kind of split that responsibility into two, I don't see anything wrong with that. Me neither, because McNichols just running the ball, 314 touches, 1,700 yards and 23 touchdowns. And then he had another, I want to say 60. No, not 60. 37 receptions. So he had like 350 touches last year. No need to give that to one guy again. That'll kind of uh, tear your knees up pretty quickly. All right, are we ready to go to um, Hawaii's doing fine. They 
Kawhi's doing some K-pop scholarship offers. That's always yeah. cool. I saw the, I saw the Contra one, which I thought was really rare. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, the video game. I remember Contra. Do you remember the code for Contra? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. I believe so. That's correct. Close enough for me. Konami code, by the way, that worked for other Konami games like Gradius 3. Oh, I did not know that. I thought it was AB, but it's BA. Also, also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. <laughs> was that also the code for Mortal Kombat to get the blood version in the first one? No, that was A-B-A-C-A-B-B. Okay. <laughs> and it was something. And, it was only, and that was only for the Sega Genesis. That's right. I had the Sega Genesis and used that quite often. <laughs> like it's terrible there's blood it's like it's a 16-bit video game relax mom <laughs> all right so san jose state they've been putting videos out for scrimmaging um if you want to listen to our lonzo um, carter interview from the summer go listen to that on our podcast apparently i went back to look at the numbers it's like our most popular show in the past six months so thank you for good reason MC Hammer, like, did you did you listen to me chat with him at all? Do you recall that conversation? Yeah, it was, to... it's been a while, but I do remember listening to that. If you haven't listened to it, here's a couple highlights really quick. You should go back and listen to it. He was on tour with MC Hammer. He went to the Grammys. He uh, fell off a, a – uh, he went to the Oprah show and something memorable happened. You have to listen to find out what that was. And um, he's probably the only coach to, like I said, be at the Grammys. What else you need to know, right? And he sent about 100-plus kids from high school to college somewhere to get an education and play football. So that's always cool as well. That's what we in the business call a tease. Yeah. Go back and find it and listen to it. Just search Lonzo Carter, Mountain West Wire. All right. So let's take a quick timeout here. It's a good 30-minute point for a break. So let me just mark that here, and we'll get going to uh, get to our stupid upset picks. All right. You ready for this, Matt? Let's do it. So most of our staff sent in que- sent in responses to questions we had. And so I think I have them all in front of me. If not, that's okay. But here's the first question. If you want to play along as well, answer these in the comments. If you want, I put them out, put them out on Twitter. Probably too late, but we'll, we, we'll reheat this again. But here's the questions we have that were answered. Or I can't speak. Questions we sent out to you, me, and everybody else. The first question was, we'll start at the top. Conference championship prediction. So you want to go first? Um, we could rotate. You want to go take this one first? Okay, so first, I guess I should preface it. I should say that you and I have the exact same prediction as far as matchup is concerned. Mm-hmm. I have San Diego State coming out of the West, and I have Colorado State coming out of the Mountain. And honestly, I like the Aztecs' chance of... Uh, earning a three-peat, so I have San Diego State winning the title again. You do. I have the Rams winning, which people know how much I like the Rams, but that's the case. And the rest of them, really quick, um, most of the most of the matchups were C- San Diego State versus CSU. Mm-hmm. We did have um, our guy, who does Aztecs of Ted, picked the went with your pick, and it just went Aztecs championship, champion, which is fine. Yeah, me and Josh got the same pick, CSU winning. And then we had a Wyoming State Eagle State, and then only one, only two Boise State picks. Does that surprise you at all? Out of the handful we had submit, submitted here, I mean, I, it does a little bit because if you recall our our staff vote for what what the standings would look like, Boise State was a relatively strong favorite. 
so maybe some of the people on our staff who voted for Boise in that maybe just didn't make their voices heard this time around. Perhaps. We had about half the people, which is fine. So the consensus overall looks like Aztecs versus Rams. So we got that, which which makes sense with who they play and everything. It's Aztecs easier path than Rams. All right, next, Coach of the Year. You got two choices here, essentially. Rocky Long or Mike Bobo. And it kind of went along with the lines of who was in the conference title game and maybe winning. I chose Bobo. You chose Bobo. We had a couple of Rocky Long choices. We had Craig Bull and a Nick Rolovich projection. So Okay, so here's a question about that. What would the Warriors have to do this year in order for Rolovich to be like a serious contender for Coach of the Year? That's a good question. I would say probably win the division. Well, no, maybe not that. I would say win, beat San Diego State and win nine games. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Like, I wouldn't necessarily think they'd have to win the division, but if they can pull a couple of upsets and, you know, come close to winning the division, that, I think, would make him a very strong contender. I think beating San Diego State would be the big deal because who else, like, looking at the rest of the schedule they play, the West is terrible. They get, what, Wyoming, correct, in the other in the cross-division cross game? Yeah, they are at Wyoming, home versus Colorado State, and at Utah State in the interdivision games. Those are some tough ones, but I, I think yeah, getting to nine and beating the Aztecs would I would that's I would give it to them give it to him if that were the case. I wanted to give it to him last year for going seven and six. Why didn't you? I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My voice is, does not carry that much weight towards anything, it's particularly Coach of the Year. Uh, we don't get a vote, so whatever. Maybe we could uh, – I could eat, talk to um, who's up there. I forget who's in charge now, but chat with them. Say, hey, give us a vote for something. We're kind of important now, maybe. Kind of. All right, so here we got, play, we got Player of the Year now. Okay. This is kind of over the bo- all over the board a little bit. Um, I'll take this. You'll take Newcomer here. My pick, Nick Stevens, Colorado State. And my basis for that is if the Rams win the division or conference, he's probably going to be the best quarterback or best player. See, I think you went with, yeah, go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I, I don't think the Boise State's going to win the division or anything like that, but I think that Brett Rippon is in line to have a really big year in 2017. And so that's why I have him as my pick for player of the year. You're not the only one. And I went with Brett Rippon as well. We had um, Rashard Penny signing, signing, which not out of the possibility one bit, and particularly if he actually does return kicks versus like Stanford or Boise and does something special, maybe there's that. We had a couple of Josh Allen picks who, wait, actually most the most picks were Josh Allen, the most um, selected player three, which you'll hear my sourness or potential sourness on the Cowboys, but. I want to see it, man. Like they're going to rely on maybe a couple of true freshman wide receivers coming in this year. They lose Brian Hill, who's going to be their starting running back. Those is key center. They might have a freshman playing center, or a true freshman on the offensive line. I I'm just not super high in Josh Allen. Plus, as you and me like to talk about, he only completed about 55 percent of his passes last year. Well, there's room for growth. I think that's what people are banking on. You'd hope so. Then we have Lexington Thomas. That's a that's kind of out of the blue. It's 
because him and Charles Williams are probably going to split carries for the most majority of the year, I'd assume. I would think so, yeah. But heck, with the way the Rebels' offense potential has them, um, who knows? All right, newcomer of the year. This took me a minute to figure out to kind of think about. It. I'm like, I could go the easy pick, or actually, you go ahead. You're you're trying to take one. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. Okay. Um, I mean, mine's I think probably the obvious choice, and just kind of looking at what other people on the staff have said seems to be the majority choice. I'm optimistic about Armani Rogers, and so for me, it was a fairly easy selection for newcomer of the year. I went with him as well because, like I said, just mentioned moments ago, the offense. I also was toying with a David Cornwell of Nevada because if they're going to go four or five wide and he's going to throw 20 to 40 times a game, the numbers will just fall in place. I mean, I guess that's a fair argument. I don't know that they're going to win enough to really justify that kind of honor, though. So what do you think about these other picks? Like um, our CSU guy Josh picked Jordan Fogle, transfer from Utah, Colorado State defensive back. Apparently, I've read a few things. People are high on him. I think it'd be kind of hard for a defensive player to get this award. I mean, I think he would have to immediately step in and be probably one of the best defensive backs in the conference, which I'm not going to say is impossible, but we kind of already know who those guys are. You know, guys like Andre Chachery, Andrew Wingard, Marcus Epps, those kinds of guys. I mean, if he can come in from day one and be super productive as a defender, then, you know, maybe. But I'm not totally certain about that. And then we got this surprise one, which could make a lot of sense after the season. You got Jared Justice, Aztec wide receiver. As my note says there, son of made former Major League Baseball slugger David Justice. If the Aztecs throw the ball, you got to have somebody step up, and why not him? Yeah, I guess that's true. I just don't know that anybody in that in that wide receiver unit is going to be is, is going to be productive enough. Like, I think they'll be efficient. I think that they'll have some big play capability, but I just don't know that they will have enough efficiency or enough big playability to really kind of justify that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you compared last year to Cedric, Cedric Wilson. I th- didn't he win newcomer of the year? I think it was. I believe so. Maybe, or maybe it's look, I don't know. I forget what it was, but his numbers were ridiculous. As a newcomer, as a Juco guy, I don't think he could put up those type of numbers. And then we got, this one surprised me. I think this is a homer pick from Ted. Sorry, Ted, calling you out. He's picked the, picking Chris Lavino, former Rutgers quarterback, now at San Diego State, to get some mop-up duty, but I, was, I guess tear it up in that time. It might be the only thing that Rutgers wins all year long. Oh, they're sure not getting Michigan's uh, starting lineup or, or new roster. <laughs> At least they have a jacuzzi. Ah, oh, yeah. They're New York City's one and only team. Come on. I mean, what's interesting about this, though, is, you know, um, is Labiano going to supplant Chapman at any point? I think it kind of, you know, first of all, he'd have to win the starting job, and then he would have to, I don't know, somehow defy the expectation, what we all expect of the Aztecs offense, which is going to be that it's a run-first offense. So I feel like there's a couple of big hurdles here that make this particular choice a little bit unrealistic, but you never know. And also, the Aztecs have they have the goal to go to a New Year's Six game. I don't think they want to have a quarterback controversy or going back and forth outside of like mop-up duty or injury time. All right, so go, go with the next one here. You take this one, Matt. Okay, so surprise team. 
and this could be either a surprise good or surprise bad. And what's kind of interesting is it seems like more people were in tune with their optimism. Uh, for me personally, I went with Air Force because while they do have a lot of kind of lingering questions about all of the players they have to replace on defense, their offense is going to take some people by surprise this year. And so I don't think they're going to fall off as much as a lot of people think they're going to fall off. And that's why they were my pick. My pick? I, is this really a surprise pick, Colorado State? Eh, I mean, I to win the to win the conference, that's where I'm going with. Like that's why I put them as a surprise team, because they're not projected to do that. I'll allow it. Yes. And then we got what else? We got San Jose State as good. We got Ted say Boise State's going to win the conference title. Or no, sorry, missed it. Oh, geez, I read that wrong. Missed the conference title. Sorry, that's kind of a slip there. Apparently, um, I'm a Boise oh. homer hard. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do you like it, Connor's pick? I guess there? it would define. It would matter his, his definition <laughs> of Fresno State being good. Maybe that means you know bouncing back to bowl eligibility, which I'm not too high on personally. But I'll be glad to be wrong in that particular instance. But not. I mean, not only Ted though, but um, Sean also had his pick of Boise State being a, a bad surprise as well. And the last one, really quick, um, Adrian, he does New Mexico, so Hawaii, positively, saying their defense will surprise a lot of people. The New Mexico's passing game. And he also, he went, he went to triple header, also likes UNLV, UNLV to do well overall. Like I said, man, if that New Mexico Lobos passing game gets going, man, you were right, man. They'll be, like, how are you going to stop that? Because there's times, like, looking through the reports for, for fall practice, they were going zero running backs at times, which means they have five wide at some point, which is... Not to think about Lobo's going five wide. There you go. All right, stupid upset conference pick. Let's save ours for. Well, <laughs> should we start with yours? No, you know what? I've I had some chance because I I got some grief from you and Eli about the fact that I I didn't really have one because um, I'm fairly <laughs> confident in my own picks. But if I were to choose one team outside of the two that I already selected I would I mean I would it basically goes hand in hand with my surprise team I would go with Air Force there you go that's it's, their offense is going to be fine my pick I went Hawaii now hear me okay. out okay hear me out there's good reason for that you know I know the number one reason what's the number one reason they play in the West Division that makes a lot of sense which means and they get San Diego State at home and after a bye week Mm-hmm. And they may not even have to beat San Diego State to win the division. It would help, clearly, but... Imagine this, Hawaii hosting the conference title game. How amazing would that be if that were to happen? That would be pretty rad. I think, it, and I'm not going to say it's totally unreasonable, but you know, if you look at their schedule, they're going to have to win early, which means they're going to have to win those two interdivision games that they have right off the bat at Wyoming and at home versus Colorado State. I'm going with it. That's my stupid upset pick. But there's there's chances. Like, there's things to like about it. But you're right. Winning those two games is what you want to see. And then we have, as I close my page out, lovely, um, we got Wyoming, Wyoming over San Diego State, a rematch of last year. 
Ted go CSU. I guess him being Aztec fan does that count as a stupid upset pick? Connor going bold, probably going my suggestion. UNLV winning the conference. Well, I mean that's kind of the same logic as Hawaii playing in the West, right? UNLV also plays in the West, and we know that they can at least do a couple of things well. And if they catch the the requisite breaks, because if you look at the opposite side who they play, they get they go to Air Force, which is tough, but they get Utah State at home, but they also go to New Mexico, which it's New Mexico is a good team, but they're not unbeatable, and so. A lot is going to ride on how yep. good their defense is. You can't give up 60-plus points to Wyoming every week like they did last year. Hey, but they won, so they scored more, so that's all that matters. Exactly. Also, we forgot um, Brandon said in his picks as well. Apparently, I missed them. His, um, st- oh, here they are. A stupid upset conference title pick also going with Hawaii. So I got company there. Good. Thank you, Brandon. Hawaii over CSU. Okay. All right, so take the next one. All right, so now we're moving on to stupid upset game picks. Uh, and we're focusing first on games in conference play. And if you've listened to our team previews, you may already have a sense of what I think is going to happen this season. But kind of looking over everything as a whole, one thing I think is... <laughs> I, I That's the point of this. Come know, on. This is probably really dumb, but I have, I have <laughs> Okay, so I have San Diego State and I have Colorado State winning the divisions. But I also have New Mexico beating both of those teams. Hey, it could happen. Why not? It could happen. All right, my pick. Actually, let's go to um let's go to Ted's pick here. Is that okay? <laughs> San Jose State beats Fresno State. On the surface, it's like a pillow fight, right? Almost. Maybe. Sorry, not to be too rude. Maybe. But the reason I will will allow this as a stupid upset pick, he picks a San Jose State shutout 38-0. He's the only person who provided a score for their upset pick, which is really oddly specific. (laughs) (laughs) It is very specific. And then we had um, Connor go San Jose State over Wyoming. Okay. And how about you announce Adrian's pick for us? Okay, so Adrian, on the the flip side of of Ted, uh, he has Fresno State beating San Diego State on the road. Which I would be, like, legitimately shocked if that happened. Oh, that would be that'd be amazing if that were to happen. It would be. Um, we did. Then we had um, Connor saying San Jose over Wyoming. That's a pretty big deal. And then uh, Brandon, really quick, he picked um, same with me, Hawaii over San Diego State. All right. And we get com- non-conference games. I'll start with Brandon's because this is ridiculous, and you don't have it in front of you, and then you can take the rest. Fresno State. Oh no. Over. Which team is it? Which Incarnate one is it? Word. Roll time. Oh no, Brandon. <laughs> no, this never happened. <laughs> that's the that's really it's really stupid. Uh, that that is about as stupid as it gets. 
kind of stretching this exercise to its limits. Um, but no, I mean, I'm looking over the list of what everybody else said, and there's a lot of in really intriguing possibilities on here. I'm just going to kind of go from the from the bottom up. Adrian, our New go Mexico guy, has the Lobos beating Texas A&M as his stupid upset pick, which, you know, could happen if they catch the Aggies on a good day. It's uh, a November game as well, late in the year. Yeah, and he also has San Jose State beating South Florida in the opener, which would be awesome if that happened because South Florida is overrated right now. Oh. They are. Book it. They're not getting to a New Year's Day game. But anyway. Paper-thin schedule. Paper-thin schedule. But that's for an entirely other podcast. Um, Our Utah State guy, Connor, has the Aggies beating Wisconsin. Oh, boy. There's a lot of homers on this list. Uh, uh, hey, Wisconsin did lose their starting linebacker, who is a key player. And it's true. not like um, Austin Hornibrook's going to beat you throwing the ball down the field. That's true. Um, I mean, like I said, not impossible. Very unlikely, you know? But that's what makes a great stupid upset pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted, of course, has San Diego State beating Stanford, which I think is definitely well within the realm of possibility if the defense plays up to kind of its recent standard of the last couple of years. It was Stanford. Are they a top 15 preseason team right now? Oh, man. Top 20? I, I thought they were like number 12 or something like that in the coaches poll. We got the AP poll will be out by the time we hear this. It comes out Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're, they're ranked, so that's um, they are, I got it right here really quick. They are 14 in the coaches poll. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. But it's at home, too. It's at the queue, which, well, home field advantage, whatever it may be, it's still not at the farm there in Palo Alto, so. Yeah. And then uh, Anna has Colorado State beating Colorado in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. A little bit. I could, sure. Uh, Why not? Josh, Josh has Nevada over Northwestern. And also UNLV over BYU, both of which I think are reasonable. I would love that so much to happen. The second one. <laughs> well, I mean, BYU's got to lose five games somehow. Oh, there it is. Eight and five BYU. <laughs> Eight and five forever. Anyway, um, and then I have UNLV over Idaho. Hold on. Which I don't... Hold on. How's I that think a... Idaho is still going to be pretty good this year. Like, we, we, we kind of made fun of the Rebels a little bit for losing that game last year, but Idaho ended up being better than we all thought they were. They beat Colorado State. They did. And then I also have Wyoming over Iowa in the opener. I, I was debating on picking a Wyoming game. I'll, go, I'll just chat about mine for a second. I was debating Wyoming, Oregon, because they do have the cool, even though it's played out, they made that Duck Hunt t-shirt, which is, I think still looks pretty nice. Out of my size, unfortunately, on from the store, but whatever. I went with, I think mine, a little bit off the beaten path. I have Utah State over BYU. I think that's reasonable. It's in Logan. BYU just lost one of the best linebackers who... Francis Bernard, not that it matters at the moment, but there's some controversy in state about why he has to sit out and he wants to transfer to Utah, which whatever, maybe he'll line up versus San Jose state or something, but Utah state, if their offense is what they say it could be again, like I said, I don't trust BYU's wide receivers. You'll hear me say that until it happens. Their tight ends are okay. They don't know who's going to be running back. It's at Logan. And I know Aggies haven't played well, but why not? BYU doesn't scare me all that much offensively. So that's where I think Utah State's defense, which was pretty good last year, 
should be still pretty good if their offense, like you said, gets explosive plays and plays better. Go for it. Beat beat the Aggie, beat BYU Logan. All right. Will a coach be fired, Matt? I don't think so. But uh, but apparently I'm in a very very small minority. Apparently somebody doesn't like Jeff Tedford already. <laughs> What would it take for Jeff Tepper to get fired in year one on for on field stuff? Only nothing. If nothing crazy off the field happens, a Hugh Freeze situation or anything, but just on, on the field, what would it take for him to get fired? Would Owen 12 get him fired? I honestly don't think so because I think then you'd be able to spin it as possibly like a year zero situation, but also just the fact that they've invested so much money in ensuring that this move works that yep. even if they go Owen 12, they're not going to fire him. Okay. Are you surprised Tony Sanchez made the list a couple times on here? I am a little surprised just because I don't know. I mean, obviously UNLV's growth in the past couple of years hasn't been linear as it is in most other cases, but I do think that he has the rebels trending in the right direction personally. Yeah. I think this is the year, like with his quarterback, his guy, he's not going to be, He's going to be around. He's not going anywhere. Because mm-hmm. this is year four. I would say if they were to go – no, year three, excuse me. It's only his third year. He has a five-year deal. Again, they put in not a ton of money, but there's people supporting, like the Furtado brothers putting money into the program and other things like three and nine, four and eight. It would have to take like an, a one in 12 – one in 11 season for something to happen. But he's going to be safe. And while I'm not high in a bowl game for them, I could see them getting five wins and be more competitive. Exactly. And then I, the, the most logical choice here, the one that sticks out is Matt Wells, Utah State. He is the popular pick for this question. Utah fan, state fans do not like he still, some of them don't like that he stuck around this year. I don't think he'll be fired, but if there's going to be a coach fired, it's going to be him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could have prefaced my own answer that way, but I think that Utah State's going to show enough growth that they'll give him another chance in 2018 to kind of continue an upward trend I think if he has to make a bowl game if not he's fired that's fair and I think some Utah, you hear the argument the other side from Utah State fans or fans from the state who call football here in Rama and Utah like well look at Utah State they were terrible before true they were playing at Auburn at Texas at USC to make ends meet they were independent for a couple years they were like out of 125 they were like 120 on a good year mm-hmm. They were lucky to win three games or have a home game by Halloween, essentially. They're beyond that, so expectations should be higher. But then again, you don't want to pull a quick trigger and lose a guy who is a former player at your, at your university who's had a couple of bumpy years. If there's another 2-10 and ten year, which I don't see happening, yes, deserves to go. But I get expectations are higher, but also remember where he used to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, so who's your underachieving team this year, Matt? Okay, so I, this is kind of relative, but for me, I think the underachieving team in the conference is Boise State. Now, granted, I still have them winning nine games, but you know, because of the fact that I have them going only five and three in conference, in my own projected standings, that means Boise finishes fourth in the division, and I think by that measure that would be a huge underachievement for the Broncos. 
yeah, because they expect ten wins. Like you're not the only ones. Like other guys are saying eight wins for this Boise State team. It's like, well, I think they, I think they're going to be fine. They're just not. It's tougher league they're playing in, even though they we brought over Nevada, Hawaii, Utah State, but Air Force, Colorado State, those are tough teams to play against every week. And we'll see. And people say year one, oh, Pete, Coach Pete's players, but still. He went to Fiesta Bowl year one. They're still a good team, and their expectations are high. Is there any team that stands out to you on this list about underachieving that somebody chose? The only one that really stands out is San Diego State. What would you consider, for me, not winning the division would be underachieving? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I'm trying to go back up and look at – because I'm taking into account his – his championship prediction, which oddly enough is San Diego State over Boise State. So I'm not sure where it seems kind of incongruent to say that they would underachieve unless his expectation is that San Diego State's going to get to a New Year's Day game. That's probably where I'm thinking. If that makes sense. Because if they end up in Las Vegas again, that may kind of be that could be the situation where, you know, the, the stakes have been raised, the expectations are higher than they've ever been in San Diego. And so if they fail to reach that benchmark, that could be considered dis- a disappointment. Yeah, because it could be 11-2 again, lose to Arizona State, lose to Stanford, sweep the division, win the conference, great, you're back in Vegas Bowl again. whoop to do You play a 6-6 six and six Cal team or something. There you go. How could Nevada be more underachieving than they currently are projected to be? That's my question for Sean's pick. They did win five games last year. Okay, that's fair enough. My pick is Wyoming because I just don't see them being as good as last year. We also had uh, Air Force on the list, which I can see possible. Well, it depends too because if you look at the advanced numbers in like Vegas win totals, Air Force is right about four. So if you're my basing overachieving, yeah, four wins clearly they should overachieve beyond that but i'm wondering i should have got some more clarification what is what is underachieving considered for air force just not a bowl game or is it based on the projection from the outsiders this year hard to say i mean i think that when you consider their recent standard if they fall from 10 wins to five wins that would definitely be an underachievement okay and we got a fresno and boise state again fresno what's that one in 12 we get one in 11 again yeah, I mean, I think in that particular case, you know, people are expecting some kind of a rebound. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, that could be an underachievement as well. Okay. Uh, then we got a couple more Wyoming's overachieving team. I'll start with this one. I guess Air Force, and to kind of piggyback off of what I just said, is because they're projected to be get four wins, but their defense loses ten starters. But I'm fine with Aaron Worthman, Tim McVeigh, whoever's going to run the ball, that they'll at least get to eight wins. So I'm going off of, like, others' projections where seven or eight wins should be fine. Yeah, and that's what I have as well. I have Air Force as my overachieving team. We got most people say Air Force. These are logical picks. Ted said Wyoming, which I guess overachieving repeat last year essentially because they lose a little bit. UNLV, of course, and New Mexico. And then what did Brandon put really quick? Let me pull up his list. He went with uh, Nevada. Shock. We'll call him a homer there. <laughs> All right. And then we got bold predictions. You want to start with your bold prediction? Yeah, I actually had a few different ones, and they were all kind of on the individual basis. 
Um, I'm thinking that there's going to be more than one guy with 10 sacks for the first time since 2013. And I think that there's a few different guys that could factor in there. Uh, I also think that Josh Allen and Brett Rippon are both going to throw for more than 30 touchdowns. And that Colorado State's Michael Gallup is going to catch at least 100 passes. 100 passes? Mm-hmm. Who's the last Mountain West player to have 100 receptions? Was it last year? Wasn't it Richard Higgins? That's what I'm thinking. His team, former teammate, or I guess guy went to the same school as him. Last year, 100 receptions. Dang it, CFB Stats has their 2017 thing, so I keep getting that air page every time. Does that the happen lead, to you? The leading receiver last year only had 80 catches, and that was Thomas Spurbeck. I meant for the for nationally. Uh, well, let's oh, see. Where did, come on, come on. There we go. It was... Uh, Oh, okay. It was Devontae Adams and Isaiah Burst back in 2013. Did 100 receptions? That was a good year. <laughs> well, all but one game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Did you, okay, do you know who led the nation last year in, in all of college football for receptions? Yeah, it was Zay Jones of East Carolina. He had, I believe, good call, dude. I believe he had 217 catches. Almost. 158, that, that which is an, absurd. That was an exaggeration, but yeah. <laughs> Not, not far off. <laughs> not far off. 13 a game. Trent Taylor, 136, and Richie James, 105. I thought um, Western Michigan, Corey Davis would have had more, but he had 97. Still very good. But he also had 19 freaking touchdowns. <laughs> All right, what about what? About All right, yours? I'll go with – I'll go with mine. Okay. Mine is – oh, where did mine go? Oh, yeah. San Diego State. For all those who say I hate the Aztecs, 13-0 and clearly go to a New York Six Bowl game. Okay, can, can I just stop you right there? Why? How is San Diego State going to go undefeated if you have Colorado State winning the championship? It's a bold prediction, man. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm, they don't have to be mutually exclusive to line up with each other. So, Like my stupid – I knew I knew that was coming. So then they're going to go 13-1? and one? Or are they both going to get to no. a bowl money game, big money game? No, no. Bowl prediction is something not – it's my actual prediction is CSU winning the conference. Okay. But bowl prediction, it's like the stupid upset pick. Am I really going to choose uh, whichever my pick was for stupid upset? Like Utah State over BYU. I did, I'm not changing my pick for Utah State to have another win because I picked that. Okay. All right. This is this – is this prediction, bold prediction, means like not likely to happen. I think that I think that Aztecs fans and Rams fans are going to be mad at you now, even though you picked them both to win to, to get to the title game. Oh, come on, I picked Aztecs twelve and zero. I picked I've been on the Rams bandwagon since January. My pick is still Rams to win, but a bold pick. You got to take a step out there. Beating Stanford is a big deal. Okay. On the flip side, I need a duck rocks from Laramie. Wyoming does not make a bowl game. That is pretty bold. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's a possibility because go back to our shows and listen to it. Who they play and who they're losing and who they return. Wyoming hasn't had like back-to-back successful years in a long time. All right. So what do we think about our other stack predictions? Uh, Let me go to Brandage real quick because I have his email in front of me. Uh, Rippon will win player of the year, but Nick Stevens will have more passing yards than Rippon and Allen. Okay. That's fairly bold. Fairly bold there. You pick a next one here. Go ahead. 
Or what do you think about that one, actually? What do you think? Is that fair? I think that's a... Is that bold? Yeah. Is that bold enough for you? I think you? so, yes. Okay. So what do you think about uh, Josh's prediction? It's pretty, uh, pretty good. I would want to know which team he thinks will take the New Year's Day spot. Although I guess if, you're, I if we're it's... going by his championship prediction, it would be Colorado State. That's right. Rams. Go Rams. All right. I and I'll, I'll, if he thinks they're going to beat Alabama or if they're going to get there with just one loss. I, it's a good. We should discuss that at the end of this really. Well, let's just do it now. South Florida, I'm going to do an article on this eventually. And I know the polls don't matter because you have their own playoff committee poll. But I think Halloween's the first one. And if we've seen in the years past, Marshall was never ranked until they had to be ranked late in the year. Boise was ahead of Western Michigan last year when Western Michigan was undefeated. Boise was not. The Colorado State-Alabama games early enough. My basic, my basic question to you is, like, if there's a Rams team that is 12-1 losing to Alabama, would they be ahead of a 13-0 South Florida team? I think it would ultimately depend on who they end up facing in the American title game. Because if there is, like, kind of a dark horse... Like, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe Navy goes 8-5, and five, but they beat both Houston and Memphis for those tiebreakers and stuff like that. If South Florida beats an 8-5 and five Navy team, or, yeah, if like if they beat 8-5 and five, someone coming out of the West in that championship game, is that going to be more impressive than if they beat, like, a, let's say, you know, 10-2 or 11-1 San Diego State? I'm not sure that it would be. And also with South Florida, we made fun of their schedule. It's pretty weak. And they also play in the weaker division, too. It's like the east of the America is somewhere to the west of the Mountain West. Temple's a pretty good team. But outside of that, East Carolina's been down. Since he's been down, UConn's not very good. Central Florida, whatever. Nothing amazing. But I'd, it'd be an interesting test case because if, say, the Rams lose. Like, when they played Alabama a couple years ago, it was reasonably close. Probably because... Alabama just kind of strangle-held them and didn't need to do too much to win the game. But it, let's say it's a 31-17 to 17 loss for the Rams. That's a pretty good showing versus Alabama. Two touchdowns, that's okay. And if they go through everybody else, like let's say they beat San Diego State is 10 – say San Diego State's 12-0. and 0. They beat an undefeated San Diego State team who's probably ranked 10 in the country mm-hmm. after beating a Stanford and Arizona State team, assuming they go to a bowl game. How high can a Houston or Memphis or Navy be if they're ten and two because they all play each other? What's Houston going to be ranked if they're eleven and one or something? Twenty twenty two, but they but Rams are let's say Rams are like if Rams are twelve and one, what would that put them? What would you say top 20, 15, 16, maybe eighteen? Uh, I mean twelve and one. Yeah, they'd probably be. Yeah, let's say probably 20. right around twenty. Yeah. So if they're twenty, beat San Diego State, who would be. 10 and undefeated and on the road. Just to me, I think that'd be that favor the Rams if that would happen or even, yeah, I think that'd favor the so Rams. Let me, let me reframe that question real quick. Is, have you, have okay. you picked up the newest football outsiders almanac? I okay, did so not first know. of all, I'm just going to, you know, blanket recommendation for everybody out there. Pick up football.com, but also like pick up the almanac, whether regardless of whether you're a college fan or an NFL fan. That's just my endorsement. But real quick, they have they give South Florida an 11 percent chance to go undefeated. 
Yeah. That's it? Or, or is that actually high compared to everybody else? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't give many people a chance to go undefeated. But they also give Colorado State a 7% chance to go 11-1. and one. Okay. So which of those do you think is more likely? That Colorado State is in the position to be 11-1 and one, or that South Florida is 12-0 and 0 going into championship weekend? I would always say undefeated is harder to do. So I would give the Rams a better chance of being 11-1. And, and that's and I, I mean, I think that it'll help South Florida that they get most of their tough interdivision games at home. Like they do get Houston in Tampa. They get Tulsa in Tampa. But yeah, I mean, that, that non-conference schedule is just like... Illinois garbage. Super soft. They get Temple. Temple at home as well, who should be the only challenger, really. Yeah. And then really quick, ESPN Insider, their betting preview, I just happened to pull that up on their page. They have, let's see here. This is odd. I don't I don't know what their deal is here, but it's kind of Phil Steele a little bit on here, but also like their FPI. They have their national title odds at 301, whatever. Their projected season win total is only 10 wins, and the FPI has them at 9.7. Hmm. That seems pretty low. I don't know. And then, um, I guess it's against the spread a little bit. Like, most of them are saying the over-under is 10. It... I don't know, man. I I, I think, I, I, would, I would say this. I don't care what league you're in. Undefeated is harder than not undefeated, which is simple, but that's the facts. There's a reason nobody did it last year. Yeah, it's a reason it's very few and far between. There's a reason in my prediction for CFN, I put there'll be no undefeated regular season teams this year at all. That should have been your bold prediction on here. Or actually, no, actually, no. Sorry, let me phrase that. No playoff teams will have an undefeated. So I could leave a little room for like Aztecs to go 13 and 0 or something there. Okay. But I, I it was some, yeah, I went with a playoff team. So the four playoff teams, there won't be undefeated one. So, so what do we think about some of these other predictions? Like, I think Ted is a really interesting one. His prediction is that the Mountain West will have three AP top 25 teams this year, and none of them are Boise State. Oh, um, I could see three being in there at some point. It'll take a while because there are four receiving votes right now in the coaches poll, AP poll, which comes out after this. Might be the same thing. Air, CSU had one point, which I was kind of shocked, or one vote. I think so did Air Force. Or maybe it was Air Force. I forget. But in Boise, high most votes. Aztec, CSU, Air Force. I would go Aztec, CSU, Boise at some point in the year being ranked. However... If I'm going to, I'm going to do an article on this, but sooner than later, like, let me ask you this. Cause this kind of rolls into that. I think three could happen. Who do you think would be the first team to be ranked amongst the conference? I think it would be Boise. Cause they have Washington state early on. Well, yeah. I mean, if they can beat a 10 win Troy team and then go on the road and beat a top 25 Wazoo team and then come home and beat New Mexico, you know, that's three pretty impressive wins right there. And so I think at that point they would definitely crack the top 25. I think Boise could be the first one in there. San Diego State's close, but they open up with um, UC Davis and then Arizona State. I think week three would be the first time we'd see a, a, a team in there. I think you're right. I mean, because it so also it, makes a difference for Boise State that they are a lot closer to the top 25, fairly or unfairly, than any other Mountain West team. They could be their one, two... They're the fourth team out, and unless... Um, there's no way they'll be ranked after the first week zero. 
even if South Florida loses, they're not going to change the San Jose States. But, like, Utah plays FCS team. I don't need to go through the whole schedule there. But Colorado CSU, that could help Boise get in there, Washington State. But I think, yeah, I think Boise would probably be the first team in there. It would be week three, though, I'm thinking. Maybe week two, but probably week, week three, after the first two games, I should say. Also, Ted has, Ted has boldly predicted that Kim Jong-un will nuke Hawaii. So, you know, maybe if... Oh crap! I missed that. Oh jeez. Maybe if maybe if uh, if they do have three top twenty-five teams, we might nonetheless be living in the darkest timeline at that point. Oh crap! Not Guam, but Hawaii. Can he reach Hawaii? Got to air it out. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> That's a super dark joke. I'm sorry for that. Um, maybe we should move on to someone else's prediction. Um, all right, um, Connor. What do you got, Connor, for us? Okay. Conference champion makes college football playoff. That's pretty bold. Okay. And yeah, I think and so. Josh Allen's a Heisman finalist. Hmm. So realistically, what would Josh Allen have to do? He'd have to win the conference, beat Oregon, beat Iowa, and show well in both of those games. What Connor is essentially saying is that San Diego State is going to be a playoff team this year. Yes. Do you think that they have the schedule in order to make that happen? No. But it also, but also depend. Let me repair, let me expound upon that because it's a pretty crappy answer. No, it depends a little bit what other teams do. Like, like I said, my my prediction for CFN was no playoff team undefeated mm-hmm. after the regular season. It will depend what Alabama does, what uh, USC does, um, what um, people like Michigan, Florida, what those teams do. But also it helps it would help if say Arizona State goes eight and four. Stanford wins the Pac twelve. They beat an undefeated Colorado State or one lost Colorado State for the conference title game. They don't have enough games. Like I would I would give a better chance. Let's even say let's just switch this around because CSU beating Alabama. No, let's just keep it in there. If the Rams go undefeated, would they be a playoff team? Yes. Because they'd beat Alabama, Boise State, probably 10 wins. 10 wins, San Diego State team. Air Force, probably 8 or 9 wins. Okay, so you would put... Would you put Boise State undefeated in a, as a playoff team? Uh, I think they would be right on the edge. I'm not as certain about that one, no. Okay. Just curious. So I, I think Aztec's schedule is close, but they would need like... To beat, oh, have the Rams be undefeated, beating Alabama, or at least one loss, probably undefeated would be better. They would have to beat Boise State and have Boise State win 10, 10 games. Like I said, Arizona State maybe surprised. This would be great for Aztecs. Arizona State, Stanford, Pac-12 title game. That would be a big boost as well for them. Not likely to happen for on the Arizona, Arizona State side, but they would take something like that where the – it's out of their hands, essentially. The rest of their schedule has to overachieve. Like, maybe San Jose State wins five games or UNLV gets to nine wins or something like that. But I would say I don't think they have the schedule. It would take a lot more exterior things than interior for the Aztecs to get there. By the way, Football Outsiders also give San Diego State a 2% chance of going 12-0. and Okay. It's on me the 2% category, I guess. Serious. There is a chance. <laughs> there is a chance. Okay, so we got, let's wrap it up really quick. Uh, Sean has UNLV eight wins and a bowl game. That's pretty bold. That is bold, yeah. I would say it's a okay chance. 
All right. All right, our final one, we have Adrian. Even though Josh Allen will have the best season overall as a player, I'm assuming, Boise State will have the best team. Boise will blow out San Diego State in the championship game. Rematch. Oh, okay. Blowout. And then New Mexico will lead the conference in rushing. Come on, that's not bold. Come on. Well, you got Air Force, I guess, right? Okay. Two Mountain West schools will crack the top 25. Very possible, I think. San Jose State goes winless. Out of those, what's the most bold prediction he makes? Honestly, it would probably be Boise blowing out San Diego State because, you know, assuming those two teams make it to the title game, I would expect that game to be really close. I, I think going winless is a lot harder than blowing out a team. So I'd go San Jose State winless as more of a bold pick. I can see that argument. They're both pretty bold, though. I guess we'll find out. All right, so anything else we need to add? Any tidbits we need to let people know about? Because we're about to, after this show comes out, we're doing a week zero preview in a couple days here. Do we want to call it week zero or do we want to call it week one, part one? I like week zero. What do you like? We can call it whatever we want. I don't think it matters. I was just curious. Opening weekend? Yeah, let's just do that. Perfect. Opening weekend. Any any last tidbits we need to let, you want to talk about or anything on the show? We've gone 80 minutes almost here. I think that that is more than enough for our big conference wrap-up preview. I will give one last thing. Go back, listen to our show on how to watch college football. If you need PlayStation View, Sling TV. Note, Sling TV, give us a few bucks if you sign up from them. So give that a shout-out. Try. Especially those Pac-12 games, right, Matt? Exactly. So, but check out that show. It was a fun show because I know I, I talked way too much, so I apologize for over, t- overtaking that show last week. But if you're seriously, but if you're not sure how to, if you don't have cable TV or you just moved or you're tired of paying Xfinity or Cox 120 bucks a month, there's plenty of options out there to watch as much college football as you want while spending about a third of that. Free trials are also your best friend. That's what we learned. Yes. Free trials. So. Oh, Matt, Fresno State plays Washington. If you don't have Pac-12, get a free trial unless you want to cut your eyes out. I don't know what's better. What's better for your health? <laughs> Watching that gamer, um, whatever, terrible. another terrible joke we tried to make. But, yeah, go figure out how to watch football. And we're back. MWCWire.com. Check out we have all of our preview stuff this week. Our podcast schedule, have we decided Wednesday night, Sunday morning? Is that right? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's our schedule. Wednesday, Sunday. There might be a few extra podcasts here or there mixed in throughout uh, me maybe interviewing a couple B-writers or something. And also, one last note we're going to do. I mean, We are making an executive decision because you discussed this, Matt, as well. We're going to break up every preview and recap into its own little podcast as well. So if your feet gets overwhelmed, apologize. But I know not everybody wants to hear about New Mexico or Boise State or San Diego State. So we're going to cut out that whatever it may be, five to ten minute chunk, and make it its own little podcast. I agree. I hope you guys like it. Well, so we'll see what happens, but our, our season's here. Week Opening weekend is here, and as always, yes, we're still biased against your team.